This is the John Oakley Show podcast. By the way, if you're an ardent Raptors fan, of course, thus begins the summer of your discontent. It was uh, announced early in the morning. It's almost surreptitious the way it was done, eh? 2 a.m. Saturday, I guess, into Sunday morning. Kawhi's not coming back. And uh, lo and behold, there has been much weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. And, uh, you know, fingers pointed, recriminations, accusations, uh, a bond farewell uh, to Kawhi. Uh, we hardly knew ye. Uh, Daniel Reynolds is a managing editor of Raptors HQ Sports Blog, here to sort of set the table for where we go from here. I mean, will we ever recover? It's a hard one to know. Are uh, we all going to need grief counseling or uh, maybe going to rehab with withdrawal symptoms? Symptoms. Uh, Daniel, how you doing this afternoon? I'm doing okay, and I don't know if it's going to be as dire as all that, but, I mean, it is tough losing a player, uh, you know, top three in the league like Kawhi Leonard. You're right. I mean, uh, generational talent, and uh, you can't readily replace that. Uh, mm-hmm. So how then do the, the Raptors regroup here and uh, meet fan expectations going forward? Well, I think, obviously, there's a bit of an adjustment that has to be done. Obviously, without Kawhi, the Raptors aren't going to contend for a title next season unless some, some other crazy move ha- comes in the next couple of months. But they are already sort of restocking the, the roster and looking at guys in that Kawhi mold uh, who obviously don't have his talent but are trying to, you know, fill that role. And, of course, they're, you know, Masai Ujiri is in charge here and he's looking ahead to sort of what, what will come up in the next year or two and keeping, the, keeping their salary cap, their salary situation flexible to make those kind of moves if they arise. Well, and that's the thing, the carrot and stick, dangle that to suggest uh, we can go for it again as he did this last year, this past season, that turned out to be the charm with the Kawhi Leonard. He rolled the dice, and we always knew there was going to be potential downside. You'd just be getting a rental. Hey, uh, between you and me and some others have been discussing, when the Greek freak's available in 2021, that's the play. In this town, I mean, this country would embrace this dude. And Masai Ujiri, he, you know, both Nigerian. I mean, all the ducks seem to be lining up for this consequential move maybe two years hence. What do you say? I mean, that's, that's, I think, something that's been on the wind there, and I think there is something to it in the sense that, you know, the Raptors obviously are not looking to take on any huge salary commitments. If you look at their... If you look at who they've got on the team right now, it's all guys on one- and two-year deals pretty much. Uh, and, and all their sort of highest-paid players are their veteran guys, Lowry, Gasol, and, and Ibaka, guys that they can flip for more assets to try and rebuild the team. And then, yeah, in 2021, there's a whole bunch of players that are becoming free agents in that summer, led by Giannis, who has a bit of a connection to Masai, and maybe he's got the inside track on luring him to to Toronto. So, I mean, it, it's, it's possible. And, and given how the Raptors have been the last five, six years, it feels like it's doable now, whereas this is something that maybe was just a pipe dream like 10 years ago. And to understand how it works with a salary cap, uh, you know, as these four guys, four of the principals age out, as you say, and maybe, you know, diminishing returns, you want to mm-hmm. time it right. Uh, Lowry and uh, Ibaka, as you say, and as Pascal is in the ascendancy, you know, could be uh, in full flourish as a superstar at that point. Uh, they would have the money again to go out uh, and, you know, dangle big bucks in front of a guy like that, right? Yes, I mean, I know there's always this idea that, you know, Toronto can't attract a free agent, and that's, that's possible. But at the same time, yeah, you, you're, you're not getting, you're, at least the team is not sort of getting stuck with contracts they, they can't, with players they can't use, or, and contracts that are, you know, of low, bad value. So Siakam's a perfect example. He's obviously being paid on his rookie scale right now. It's very low. He's due for a big extension, which I think he's earned, uh, 
and I, I think he'll continue to improve. But yeah, I think after that, you look at the, this roster. Norman Powell is the only other guy with with sort of a bigger, you know, medium-sized contract going forward. So yeah, there is a possibility that they'd have lots of money to throw at one or two guys and try and build out the team that way. I mean, it's it's definitely something that's that's possible now. Let me ask you again, Daniel Reynolds with us, the managing editor of Raptors HQ Sports Blog. Uh, there are some, uh, I guess, words in the wind that uh, Kawhi knew all along he was only here for the one season, you know, when he came out of San Antonio in a deal that uh, he, because he, he wanted out of there. And, uh, you know, so uh, he got his wish. He came here. We traded away the face of our franchise in DeRozan uh, and I mean, it wasn't all sweetness and light, so that uh, did we kind of get used in a sense? It turned out to be a charming used, uh, as you know, but the intention was always to get back to where his, you know, comfort level is, home in California, you know, one of the two L.A. teams. Do you think that was always in the cards? I mean, it sounds like now, in, in retrospect, it, it feels like, yeah, Kawhi, all, the, Kawhi knew he was was going to do this. I mean, to a certain extent, you can sort of applaud him that he came to Toronto and he was a pro about it the whole year. uh, And he didn't sort of talk about what had happened in San Antonio or what he was planning to do in the summer coming up. Uh, All he did was come to Toronto and and put his best foot forward. And obviously they won the title. So it's, it's hard to be too mad at him. There is a sort of note of disappointment though, because, you know, the minute he got traded to Toronto, there was a lot of chatter and buzz that he would, you know, he would never stay here. He would never want to come here. You know, this and that. So the fact that you know the fact that maybe throughout all of this, he was always in the back of his mind going, "I'm going to do this and play my heart out and maybe win the title." And then he did win the title, but then he always knew that he was going to leave. I mean, he kept saying at the at the parade, you know, enjoy this moment, have fun with it, be it be in this moment. So I mean, you can sort of appreciate that, but then also sort of say, "Oh man, he probably knew that this was the this was the last moment he would be in front of Toronto." Well, yeah, and so if you back data too, as you're suggesting in hindsight, I mean, to orchestrate. Uh, a deal where, uh, you know, Paul George is coming over to join him with the Clippers. I mean, I don't think that happened like over a 24-hour span, did it? Well, it sounds like, I mean, you, we, we waited for, what was it, a week there. I mean, it sounds like there were a lot of parts moving in that week. Uh, technically speaking, none of these guys are supposed to be talking to each other uh, or none of the teams are talking to the players, et cetera, before that deadline, that, that June 30th deadline. But it definitely seems like in that week since then, and, and some of the reports that are out there now sort of suggest that Kawhi was basically waiting to see if, if the Clippers could make some sort of trade for someone to bolster that team so then he would sign with them. I mean, once he got that sort of in motion, it felt like that was an, it was an inevitable outcome that he would end up on the Clippers. And so is that, I mean, he, is he the kind of guy, I get the sense, uh, albeit, you know, very few of us really knew him and uh, mm-hmm. only through his play and, you know, how he rose to the occasion, uh, you know, embracing the Clippers, yeah, it's his own hometown, but uh, maybe, you know, in L.A. against LeBron and the team he's trying to orchestrate as well, you know, to take another run at a title yeah. with a third team, uh, maybe Kawhi has that same idea in mind, do you think? The same in mind? That, well, yeah, he wants to be the big dog in L.A., uh, you know, and yeah. uh, bring the Clippers from uh, obscurity, relative obscurity. they got some good young talent, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he along with Paul George, you got, you know, and if they mm-hmm. add a third, I mean, this is a team that could, and if he wins a third title with a third team, that's almost unprecedented in the uh, NBA. Yeah, I think that's why he, the Lakers, I don't think he was, I don't know, I mean, I don't have any inside report information on this, but it never seemed like he was really, 
uh, set on going to the Lakers because, yeah, he, 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 I think Kawhi does like to be the number one guy, and I think he's earned that right. Obviously, you watch what he did in Toronto. I think he's earned the right to be the guy who gets to sort of call the shots in a franchise, even though you never really get to hear those shots because he keeps his cards really close to his chest. So, I mean, I, I do think what he's trying to do is, is, is build sort of his own sort of uh, kingdom for himself, and it's working out because, obviously, the Clippers are, are, well, are well positioned to be successful, and they're, yeah, they're his hometown, so he gets to sort of live that, that comfortable life he wanted to live in his hometown with a nice long-term deal, which, I mean, you can't ask for more than that if you're, if you're a player. Well, he's taken $50 million less than he would have with the Raptors, or so the story goes. Uh, mm-hmm. How do we square that? Well, I guess, I mean, it's funny. At the beginning of the season, there was some talk that, you know, the money didn't matter to him, that Kawhi was all about winning. So the Raptors went on and won, but I think I think the pull of, of being home was very important to him. I think he liked the idea of, of raising his family in L.A. And uh, like I said, I think he was a pro about being in Toronto, and, and you never heard a single complaint about being here. But I think when the opportunity came up for him to, to basically be on a winning team, to, to orchestrate a winning team in Los Angeles, I think the, the opportunity for that, even with that, that extra year and the $50 million that Toronto could have offered him, I think that was too much to turn up, to turn down, as you should say. Who is calling the shots? Is it is it's his uncle, isn't it? Well, Uncle Dennis, as they as they call, him, he's the I guess sort of the the face of of the the Kawhi camp, and he's been the guy that has done a lot of the talking uh, for Kawhi, uh, especially when you when he was in the throes of his uh, situation in San Antonio. It felt like uh, Uncle Dennis was the sort of guy that was involved in in sort of getting him out of there and sort of voicing uh, Kawhi's concerns about continuing there for sure. Yeah. Interestingly, now, because Toronto really uh, dealt with him in uh, an instrumental way, you know, coming off that only nine games the previous year, the load management idea that was, uh, you know, uh, quite, well, obviously paid handsome dividends that they uh, restricted his workload. Where does he go? Do you think he's restricted again in his first season with the Clippers? I mean, I could see that happening. I, I, I definitely think uh, many of the the top you're seeing more of the top flight talent in the NBA take advantage of of trying to take rest days where they can, not playing in as many back to backs. I think it says something about the NBA at large that this has become a bigger deal. That that uh, the the workload in certain cases is quite enormous. And if you're a guy like Kawhi, who's basically every night has to be, you know, 35 plus minutes, a lot of usage, also be like the sort of the top guy on the defensive end, constantly be very sharp. It takes a toll, and especially in a case where you're coming back from a serious injury, I mean, you could definitely see why it would be attractive now to sort of stay in that maybe 60 to 70 game range and not go crazy pushing yourself in the regular season because even even with that load management we saw in the playoffs, Kawhi, there was a little bit of there in the, in the third round where he started to look like he was going to run down, and even then, even with the load management. So obviously it's something that's very important to him, and I think you're going to see more players sort of push for that a little bit more because of that sort of outcome. Yeah, well, you know, the Raptors here in the East are uh, in tough, too. Philadelphia just got stronger. Milwaukee, I mean, we've seen, you know, how uh, that's all going on that trajectory. So uh, the expectation that they're going to repeat or, you know, even get to the final, I think, is probably pretty optimistic. What would you say, Daniel, middle of the pack is the best we can hope for? Yeah, I could see them in that four to six seed. I mean, I think I think the teams you mentioned there, the Milwaukee will, could could likely repeat uh, as the as the number one seed. I think uh, Brooklyn will be better, obviously, once they get uh, Kevin Durant back, but we don't know when that will be. Uh, Philly's still in there; they still got their their talent. They lost Jimmy Butler, but they, they still got their talent. Uh, Indiana, I think, will surprise some teams, and uh, you know, Miami will probably get in there. They got they added Butler, 
So I think the Raptors are in the thick of it. They can, they, they still, even when they had, when they didn't, when they played without Kawhi last season, they were something like 17 and five. So they still have a pretty solid team, a base, but obviously without that sort of elite scoring and two way talent that Kawhi brings to the table, there are going to be games where they, that basically they just slip away because they don't have that, that closer, that finisher guy. Uh, and that's where I think that would be the difference between, you know, one, two and going to the finals or, you know, four or five and maybe just getting knocked out in the first or second round. It's going to be interesting because uh, we'll see the nature of the Toronto sports fan or the Raptors fan, whether they're really committed and in deep now for the long haul, as Leaf fans are, uh, or is this going to be a fickle case of uh, unless you're really performing, uh, you know, we'll see some of the fans drift away. Anyway, it was uh, really an enchanted run, and uh, Kawhi was so instrumental in all of that. Nobody begrudges the fact that he wanted to go home and play for uh, his home team there in uh, L.A. Daniel, I appreciate your weighing in on this, and uh, we'll touch base again, I guess, as the season gets going. Right on. Thank you very much. You got it. Again, Daniel Reynolds, managing editor of Raptors HQ Sports blog. You know, there's even talk of uh, striking some kind of a statue or hanging his banner there at uh, the Scotiabank Arena. One season, but what a season it was. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.